The Midday Report. I'm Mandy Wiener. Keep listening as we round up the key stories affecting your world with interviews with newsmakers, in-depth analysis and eyewitness news reporters on the ground. The Midday Report. A statement out this morning from the Minister of Home Affairs, Aaron Motsuoledi. Uh, I think it came by surprise, the fact that he has now extended the Zimbabwean exemption permits, the ZEP permits, for another six months. There was a bit of uh, of a frenzy. There was a lot of concern around the fact that the ZEP permits were going to expire at the end of June. They've already been extended a, a couple of times. Uh, they were, they've now been extended from the 30th of June to the 31st of December, and that's been because the department has now had to approve thousands and thousands of waiver applications of the affected Zimbabwean nationals. So they're having to deal with this situation. Keep in mind, there's also a court application by the Helen Sussman Foundation to challenge this. Khomotso Modise, EWN reporter in studio with us. Khomotso, just last week, uh, I was speaking to you. Well, last week, this week, it was Monday. It was Monday. Uh, we were speaking to you about the fact that you had been to the centre in Brooklyn, in Pretoria, yeah. how there's been an influx of uh, of people ZDP permit holders who are now trying to get waivers. So the department obviously under a lot of pressure here. Did you expect this extension? I did. And and that's because many of the uh, ZDP holders that are now applying or that have applied um, for this waiver initially had told me that they didn't think they qualified for the waiver and that's why they hadn't applied. So, you know, I was explaining to you on Monday how the initial process was that they'd had to go to the Labor Department to get an exemption from Labor because many of their skills are not what we call scarce skills in South Africa. So they would have to get the exemption from Labor and once they have that, then they go back to Home Affairs to apply for the general work permits. But then a few months on, many of them then found out and were encouraged by Home Affairs to apply for this waiver And the lady that I was working with, Stella Makande, who I've been following really for over a year, told me that initially when they checked the requirements for this waiver, they didn't qualify. And that's why many of them hadn't applied for the waiver initially all the way last year in January. So many started applying for the waiver last year when they did realize, when the minister came out to say, apply for your waivers. And that's why we've got this backlog now of so many applying for these these waivers. So that's the situation. I was expecting that there was no way that they were going to grant all these Mm. waivers in how many how many weeks especially because like Stella some had applied in September and still hadn't received a response so for me my my belief is that this is a, an entire farce because all you're doing is all of the ZDP holders are applying for waivers they are signing thousands and thousands of waivers yep which is effectively the same thing as a ZEP permit because they'll still be able to stay here. So why don't they just extend indefinitely the ZEP permit? Or what's the end game here for the minister? It is a very, very odd step. Uh, It's just another step in the process. And, you know, it's because once they get the the, the waiver, it doesn't mean the process is completed, right? And you're right. I think it would make sense for us just to skip this waiver process and let people apply for the general work permit. We've heard from the minister that, you know, they won't be approving any work permits or work visas without the waiver. But I mean, when you try rationalize around why we need to go through this extra step, I'm not certain.
to note the end game is here um, from Home Affairs. Um, I think maybe, you know, I mean, the only thing that I can see maybe is record keeping, you know, to kind of know just how many people are going to be having this general work permit. But yeah, it is, it's a really odd setup there from, from the minister. And the minister's insisting and Home Affairs is insisting that they don't want the ZDP to continue, um, you know, beyond December now. I mean, we've heard the arguments in court. They're, they're insisting that the ZDP was a temporary measure. Yeah. And so they, everyone must be on this new general work permit. But the admin is just proving to be such a nightmare for so many of the people that are applying. I've spoken to Stella Makanda this morning. I've done it myself. Yeah. I've done the entire process yeah. myself. It is laborious. It is complicated. It doesn't make any sense. It's overly technical. Yeah. It's irrational. So I can completely understand the frustration. It's expensive. And, and it's expensive, yes. of course. Very, very quickly, what is the story with the, the, the court decision? When are we expecting judgment? So I've put in a couple of calls. Um, that judgment was reserved and we still don't have an indication from the courts or the parties involved. They don't know yet when that judgment will be um, handed down. Of course, that judgment will also inform form the next steps for government. So the extension now is until December, but that ruling or uh, the judgment that comes out might even say that the ZDP should not be discontinued at all. And I know that uh, for many, that will be the news that they want. Um, but yeah, so we're waiting to hear from the courts around when they when, when the judgment will be handed down. And that will inform the steps, not only for government, but also for civil rights groups that are so adamant to keep mm. the ZDP in place. Kumoto, thank you so much. I appreciate your time. Don't forget that, that Aaron Motsuleli announced in December of 2021, that the ZDP would not be renewed. And then they've pushed that back to the end of December last year. And then they pushed it back to June. And now they've pushed it back to December. Uh, it just seems irrational. The, 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 what is the end game here? How do they resolve this uh, in the long term? The Midday Report. A temporary agreement has been reached between e-hailing drivers and minibus taxi drivers in uh, Soweto. Last week, three e-hailing vehicles burnt at Maponya Mall. Four other vehicles were damaged. And then uh, this week, we've seen another vehicle being torched outside the Protea Glen Mall in Soweto. So uh, we've we've had a meeting, a coming together of minds between the e-hailing industry and uh, the taxi industry as well. In short, my understanding is that as part of this agreement, e-hailing taxi drivers won't be able to drop off or pick up passengers inside shopping malls in Soweto for the next three months. Well, let's speak now to the E-Hailing Association National Spokesperson, Vatuka Mbalengwa. Vatuka, good to be with you uh, this afternoon. Thank you very much for your time. If you could give us clarity, is this the agreement that e-hailing taxi drivers can't drop off or pick up passengers in shopping centres in Soweto for the next three months? Uh, Good day, Mandy. Essentially, what we're trying to establish with this process is to for us to begin to be able to identify legal operators more effectively. So, you know, by operation or by design, e-hailing isn't meant to then sit and camp within malls, uh, like traditional taxis do, because malls are built with taxi ranks in mind to, 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 to accommodate the local operators and not e-hailing. So if our operators, if the true e-hailing operators begin to move off the premises uh, after picking up or dropping off, it therefore will become easier to identify legal operators who are undermining the industry, who are undermining pricing, and also extending a platform to criminality. Okay, so this is a temporary solution. Is this sustainable in, in the long term? Do you have an expectation that this will, will stay in place in the long term? Look, I think in a way it is reflective of the sort of regulation we want, and it's in a way a step towards... Um, putting in place measures or beginning to test methods in which we can coexist together. And this can only be sustained effectively long-term 
if a proper permitting regime is in place, uh, and government must therefore advance one so that we are then able to clearly identify who legitimate operators are within the space, and lawmakers and law enforcers are able to identify who the legal operators are, so can they can therefore be uh, uh, removed from our operational environment. Vatuka, how do you hope to uh, police this, uh, if that's the right word, in, in practice? Because if, if, if someone's in Soweto and they catch an Uber to a shopping centre, will they have to get dropped off 100 metres away? Uh, how, how do you implement this in practice? Look, essentially it's an ongoing sort of solution. But how we see it, and, and we, 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 we elderly, uh, disabled, uh, females, uh, or, 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 or anybody who's vulnerable must be dropped off within the premises as close as possible to the door. But just to sort of manage the kind of traffic and the volumes and to be able to track it, if it's possible for a passenger to be dropped off at the gate to walk in, that is currently a preference. But more importantly, each mall is going to allocate a, a dedicated pick-up and drop-off space. Uh, I think we will move to ensure that there's proper signage so that it's done in a safe manner and the customer should never be compromised because at the core of this is the commuter who we need to protect. Vatuka, thank you very much. Vatuka Mbalengwa, e-hailing association national spokesperson, speaking to us there about that agreement. Well, let's speak now to the Joburg MMC for public safety, Dr. Mtkini Tuaku. Dr. Tuaku, good afternoon to you. Thank you very much for your time today. Are you satisfied as government that a short-term agreement has been reached here? Uh, hello, Mandy. Uh, uh, good afternoon to you and your listeners. Yes, yes. Um, and we had a very good, fruitful meeting with the EHAIL operators, um, also with the Taxi Association. And what what actually they wanted to emphasize, both of them, I think for us it was actually something very good. They said, look, we are not fighting uh, ourselves because they said EHAILing has been operating coexisting within us, and all of us have been doing this. But now there are these illegal e-hailers who are now um, trying to operate as taxi association because currently they will, they will be there at the mall in a queue. They're starting to have queue marshals, and they are approaching customers before at the door and all of that. So this short-term agreement for now, it's, it's from now up until Friday, as we are called tomorrow, uh, we're going to have a meeting because one of the things that came out from that meeting, Mandy, is that we formed a, a, a committee. That committee that consists ourselves, uh, MMC Chwaku for Public uh, Safety, MMC Kenikunene, the taxi industry, the e-hailing, and all the other stakeholders. So tomorrow, we're going to be discussing the terms of reference of the committee long uh, short-term solutions and the long-term ones but temporarily we say that the e-hailing guys um they can drop off now at the gate um okay at the, at the gate of the mall yeah for now up until friday okay um you were listening in earlier when i was speaking to vatuka Mbalengwe, the e-hailing association national spokesperson he was he was speaking there about the need for government to perm to give permits to regulate the e-hailing uh, industry is that something that government is working on yeah what what we got uh, from the province was that there is some work that was done before because e-hailing 
it looks as if it falls under what is called the metering taxes. So metering taxes is regulated. So they had a sort of a subsection that is there. But also remember, it's also the competency of the national. Apparently, there is some uh, documents or bills that has actually been proposed, work that has been done, but it's taking too much time, uh, you know, to, to, to actually do that. And one of the things that as government here in the, in the, in the state of Johannesburg, in that testing, uh, we're going to ensure that we work with the province, and by the way, is actually represented there. Um, there, are, there are two guys that, are, that will be sitting there so that we're able to interact with them and the government to find solutions in terms of finally to be able to regulate this industry. In terms of, of what's happening at the moment in, in Soweto, I understand that there were some disruptions in, in Protea, that there are police officers on, on the ground. Also, an intelligence unit team has been deployed. Uh, what kind yeah. of assurance can you give around just safety of commuters in Soweto? Now, at this point in time, um, we said to the guys, um, we must cease fire uh, because now the, the public safety is there and uh, we also don't want to compromise the safety of the city of Johannesburg. And we're saying that that's why we've deployed um, steps and the steps deployment, the JMPD, um, is to ensure that now we, 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 we check and look um, at the so-called illegal e-hailing guys. So we don't want probably the the e-hailing operators and the taxi probably taking, you know, law into their own hands. We are assisting them to identify them, um, you know, to have a look. And uh, we are working a joint operation between the, 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 the mall security, between the taxi industry and ourselves, JNPD and police, so that we can uh, are able to, to really look at these cars and, and, and then, Whatever car we get, we make a decision that if we see any illegal e-hailing uh, coming and dropping off next to the mall, then we're going to impound it. Mm. That will actually alleviate the fact that, um, you know, um, you will have now this commotion because uh, between the okay. legal e-hailers and the illegal ones. Yeah, so it's a work in progress. There are things that we have proposed, like the stickers. Um, we, are, we said to them also, maybe we can have something like what, what they have in the taxi operators, which is a commercial People that probably can can work and on the e-hailing side, they work with the we work with the like, with the taxi association so that they can check these cars and look. You know, we were the way of, of of looking into and and and, and identifying the illegal e-hailing people. MMC, thank you very much, uh, Dr. Mkini Chwaku, the Joburg MMC for public safety. So there, you've you've heard from the e-hailers, uh, you've heard from uh, the city of Joburg as well. This is a short-term agreement that is in place. They're going to meet again on Friday. Do you think this is sustainable? Does it make sense? Uh, the argument here is that the e-hailing guys who are not part of uh, Uber or Bolt necessarily are going into areas that are traditionally taxi-operated areas. So for the next three months, they're not going to be able to do that. How do you remedy this? How do you think that this needs to be fixed? I agree with the e-hailers. We need to see proper regulation. We need to see proper permitting taking place here as well. The Midday Report. So I'm watching the suspended public protector Busisiwe Mkwebane uh, on Newsroom Africa right now arguing about why she thinks the chairperson of her inquiry into her fitness to hold office should be suspended. Richard Dianti, she looks less than impressed. Uh, and I'll play you a clip a bit later on of Nosiviwe Mapisa Nkakula arguing that we shouldn't even be discussing this Tina Jumat Peterson uh, bribery story now. Um, which she's calling for Ubuntu until Jumat Peterson is laid to rest. Uh, I'll play you that audio in a bit. But let's speak 
Peter Zaman Chona, national spokesperson for the ATM, the African Transformation Movement, who also agrees that Yanti should recuse himself because of these allegations of bribery. Zaman, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. You want Richard Yanti to recuse himself. He has said that he is not going to recuse himself. The argument here is problematic, in my view, because there is no... Uh, evidence, there's no charges at this stage. Uh, it's an allegation that is made on behalf of someone else implicating Richard Dianti. What is your view on that? Thank you so much. Uh, because now a case has, has been opened to look into this matter, now it is no longer just allegations, but there is a case that has been opened. Now, um, also, in the interest of, this is a first of its kind to have the Parliament of South Africa look into the fitness to hold office of a, a, a Chapter 9 head. Now, it is very important because it is a precedent-setting inquiry. From now moving forward, we are setting the bar. We can't have a situation where, as according to the allegations, we have people who, who when they appear before Parliament, the environment can be made conducive for them so that they uh, have it easier. No, it can be. So the allegations are very serious. Also, the issue of impartiality, the issue of objectivity, the issue that um, would um, look into this committee. Mm. Let's say, for instance, we find out that the, the chairperson is not just implicated, but the chairperson is guilty. What happens to what has been happening under his watch. Let's say since we right. have known, this is the second week now, we, we went ahead with the investigation, though we know, or with the inquiry, mm. though we knew what Zama- was happening. So it then calls it into question. Uh, the former public protector, Tuli Madonsela, making the point yesterday that uh, if we just ask judges to recuse themselves without any tangible evidence, then our judiciary will be in trouble here. Uh, and we've heard from Richard Dianti saying this is just a, a delaying tactic being brought by Busisiwe Mkwebane. If there's no evidence, as I stated before, then surely he doesn't need to recuse himself. When you say there is no evidence, it's going to be interesting for us to look into that because there are voice notes, there are screen grabs, uh, which are implicating the individuals in question. If it was just one of those I had somebody saying, that would be different. But here you have people in question, and, and one of the people in question having voice notes that were moving between the individual in question with the individual mm. they want to solicit money from. So, okay. so this is not one of those totally in the dark type of situations where through the grapevine somebody had somebody saying, no, one of the persons implicated are people... Uh, it, that is found in the voice notes. And that that is a cause for concern. Zama, thank you very much. We have to leave it there. Zama and Shona, national spokesperson for the ATM, arguing that Richard Dianti should recuse himself. Your thoughts on that? The Midday Report.
The president is in Hamans Kral today following that outbreak of cholera. He's there with a, uh, what do you call it? What is the collective noun for cabinet ministers? He's there with a, a slew, a, um, I'm sure you can come up with something much better than me, of cabinet ministers. He's been meeting with the Twani mayor, Celia Brink, and uh, the mayor tweeting that he has explained to President Ramaphosa that fixing Royval is critical to ensuring a healthy supply of water to residents of Hamans Kral. Let's speak to our reporter who's there. Ndaezo Letonje, EWN reporter. Ndaezo, good afternoon to you. The president is there. He's with the water minister. He's with the health minister. He's with the cooperative governance minister. What is, what have they been doing and uh, what has the president been saying? Good afternoon, um, ben, Mendy. So the president and that delegation that just spoke of have just arrived at the Temba uh, Stadium in Hamanskral. They're now engaging uh, the community. I must say, he received a warm welcome. Him and the the, the premier Panya Zalisufi were the last ones to 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 walk in here. They received a resounding warm welcome, uh, which is a different picture from what happened when uh, the executive mayor Celia Brink uh, walked in. Um, but that be that as it may, uh, when I'm uh, Mendy, the. President went to the Roy Val, uh, Roy, uh, uh, Val water treatment plant. That's where uh, there's been some problems as far as uh, the treatment of water supply to Hamas Kral community has been. And he got a technical briefing. We didn't get much from him because what he did was to do a walkabout and then from there got onto his convoy and straight to where we are right now where it is due to address uh, residents here that are seated under a huge marquee, uh, a, a, a huge shaded marquee. And at the, on the stage, you've got the president, uh, as we speak, you've got the water and sanitation minister, Senzum Tunu, um, addressing uh, these uh, residents here. There's a, quite a large number of uh, residents here, I must say, Mandy. It's so interesting because uh, you, you've ex- described exactly what I had been anticipating, waiting to hear uh, what the reaction would be. You know, from experience, when the president does arrive in communities, he very often is received warmly. He is a he's a popular person on the ground. Um, but as you say, when the Twani mayor uh, went to the Jubilee Hospital, he was chased out of there. I, I'm curious to see what kind of questions are asked from the community in in Timber uh, today. What are you What are you expecting from that community, and what kind of questions they might be asking well uh mendy when you just engage with residents here which i've done uh, uh to a certain degree this morning you get the sense that they, they put the blame on uh the da-led uh, government which has been in administration now for since 2016 but the problem of water in hamanstral started way before that but you get the sense that they sort of think the ANC-led government will come with some sort of solution. When we were listening to what uh, the uh, political heads were saying um, earlier this week and also today, it appears that it's all three spheres of government that needs to address this problem. And uh, it will be interesting to hear the kind of questions that will be addressed to these three spheres. Uh, like, like I mentioned, you've got Celia Brink at the... Uh, municipal level, you've got the premier uh, at the provincial level, and you've got the president that are all here, and we'll hear what they'll be able to say as far as this problem is concerned and the solutions thereof.
And Daezo, thank you very much. And Daezo Retonje, EWN reporter, he is in Timber there uh, where the community has gathered. The president has uh, has arrived there. He's with that delegation. And that's the proper collective term, right? Collective noun uh, for cabinet ministers. I'm sure that uh, the creative South Africans have a better one. Uh, and the issue here is around the Royval water treatment. We know it's going to cost hundreds of millions of rands to fix. Um, and in fact, I've just seen now Senzo Mkunu, the water affairs minister at the podium on the SABC. He's addressing the crowd there. So maybe we can bring you a little bit uh, of that um, because I think it would be a good idea, a good sense to get what the reaction has, has been there. Uh, if we, KG, can we listen in there? We've reported to the president that indeed, as Premier says, we've worked very hard in the past few weeks to ensure indeed we bring to an end the cause of this problem. Kafusha Energy, Kukona Leander Oktua, Indaola Oksanzo Kona Inde, Leander Oktua Ruival, Indao Okfanelengabe. In everything that is happening there and comes out of there or comes out from there. Go to again in the past, I'm a problems. Question Jalogs, go figure and fully legs, go figure a timber. Go to again, Funuguti, Zonkalis, doesn't the Gilezibe in the past. Bigilege Uguti Kuza Status Kashan Uktila Nalum Sibis Gotua Sibis Pila Song Amanzi Abe Figa Tina Song Abe En Pilo Laumans Sibenza again the Tuane Maspala Jemum Yango Wamanzi Ganyan and Tanzego and Legism Africa. We know things of this nature, finalizing in the future, under our noses. Go to again, we've learned. All we will say, this thing is cash and be patient. This card is still an alum service. Go to an asutang or tin lamans. A manzi, as a local figure, a manzi, and a bill. I, of course, I, I understand Imanzi, that's about it. Um, but but the guys in the studio are pointing out to me that Senzo Mtkunu is speaking Isi Zulu in Haman's Kral, uh, which is not ideal. Uh, but Senzo Mtkunu, the Water Affairs Minister, he's speaking. We're expecting the President uh, to speak there as well on that visit to Haman's Kral. And I look forward to seeing what kind of questions he is asked. The Midday Report. Dr. Nandipa Magudamana has filed an application for leave to appeal that Bloemfontein High Court ruling. Remember, she had gone to the High Court in Bloem, arguing that her arrest uh, was illegal, her arrest in Tanzania. She had argued that, in fact, it was an extradition and not a deportation. Mpumalelo Zekalala, legal expert, joining us now. Mpumalelo, good afternoon to you. Thank you for your time. One of the key findings by the court here was around consent, that uh, Dr. Nandipa Magudamana had consented, she wants to come home to her children. What grounds does she have here for an appeal? 
good afternoon, Monday, and also to the listeners. Um, she's basically saying, you know, court, you made a mistake in terms of the law and also on the facts. Firstly, in law, I can't consent to someone breaking the law. I can't consent to my rights being infringed. And in what we have declared, there's the consent. In fact, it's, it's not consent. I should have been told that what I'm engaging in is now an often acceptance type of processes in which if I consent to this type of injustice, then I agree to the jurisdiction can then be moved from Tanzania to South Africa. I'm now agreeing to an extradition process, which is unlawful. And I'm saying, I don't mind that I was brought into South Africa in an incorrect manner. And then we are moving on to a definition which is in the Constitution that says whenever a court is declaring any law or conduct unlawful, it must. So they are saying we don't, we don't have any discretionary powers, uh, even the power to say that you are going to deem those things to be okay. It says that you must declare it as being unlawful or suspend the invalidity that is there or offer a remedy that ought to be followed. Now, in this case, the court did not do either of the three, and instead it told that so it came to the conclusion of saying that due to your tacit consent, you're wanting to come back to your case, you're actually agreeing to the extradition which was unlawful. On that basis, that's what they are saying. It can't be that this judgment is correct. And also on the court order, they're then saying, if if I'm on the correct side in terms of my rights and also I don't agree with the consent part, then why am I paying the cost of this application when I was doing all this in a bona fide way of thinking that I'm defining my rights? Mpumalelo, thank you very much as always. Mpumalelo Zikalala, legal analyst, uh, unpacking that decision by Dr. Nandipa Magudamana to appeal that High Court decision. The Midday Report. That's a wrap of the day's news. Don't forget you can catch the full Midday Report live on 702 and Cape Talk via our streams on YouTube and our website 702.co.za and capetalk.co.za. Keep checking in for updates from my colleagues at Eyewitness News. Till the next time, I'm Mandy Wiener. The Midday Report.